0: UVA's uh, website added like a table view for the schedule and I'm, I, I don't know why, but it makes me so happy. I just, for I love the fact. For basketball football? That, for basketball. Why do I need a table view for, for football? Yeah, I was going um, to say, why, why would they do that? But no, it's just, it's glorious. It's like, you know, you don't have to scroll 300 like times to get to the bottom of the schedule. I'm just so very happy. This is where my fandom is I'm just, i very simple now Like literally give me a table view of the schedule on the website And I'm like yep count it as a win What are we going to talk about
1: Did you guys cut that intro
0: yet
2: There's one in there somewhere There's something in there
0: I'm down Stop (laughs) Don't make me laugh right now I'm already in a bit of a spiral Actually that's really funny I should probably use that for the intro It would be like really short but it would be funny everyone. Inside. to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October 11th. Cavaliers coming off of an actual victory on the football field. Um, stop the presses. You heard it here first, but you didn't. Uh, 27-13 over William & Mary on Saturday. An interesting game for a variety of different reasons to send the Cavaliers at 1-5 into their bye week. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about sort of where things stand. But more importantly, we are also going to transition over to basketball. Um, The Wahoos will open up um, their basketball season here very, very soon against, uh, well, technically, I guess it's on the schedule that they're going to have the blue-white scrimmage on Saturday. But they'll actually open up on November the 6th, which is a Monday night in Charlottesville against Tarleton State, the Fighting Tevin Joneses uh, themselves. Um, But we will get into some, some, you know, preseason like easing into the basketball waters if you will before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first in fishersville board moderator du himself david spence is on the show how's it going my friend
2: hey no one told me we were talking basketball i'm about to go look and see who's on the team now <laughs> that's gonna be a problem who Dave's on the board at who dave's on twitter
0: and in Charlottesville, editor-in-chief justin for was also on this year program how's it going my dude
1: i'm not surprised that dave doesn't know that we're talking about basketball or Expect a better effort from "quote unquote" staff. Wow! At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Wow,
0: that was impressive, Ferber. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content names, and the occasional banter. I also love that we've just completely ignored the fact that Twitter changed its name. We just continue on like we just talk about Twitter. We we never reference it as anything other than Twitter, and I just think we should continue to do that because why not? All right, so let's see. Uh, we got to start with football because that is the thing that happened. 27-13, that was really mean. That was the thing that happened. 27-13, uh, Virginia finally gets off uh, the schneid. Um, 453 yards of offense, which is a nice uh, number. Um, I'm a little concerned about the four sacks uh, that Virginia didn't have, that William Mary did have. Um. All in all, I mean, I kind of the game we expected in, in some ways. Uh, it, it maybe didn't unfold, per, per, perhaps the way we we thought it might. But the number itself, um, Virginia winning by a couple scores, felt right. Um, I'm a little concernicus that it was not more than that, um, but I think that's sort of par for the course of what we've seen from the who's this season, Dave. It is it, as I always do. It's been a few days. How 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 was this sitting with you? Do are you just happy to have gotten a win? Do you care the manner in which it was uh, achieved? How how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, the win's huge, right? I mean, September seventeenth, twenty twenty two was the last home win. That's oh, a god, little that oh god, that sounds a terrible
0: when you say it like that.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a little while since we walked out of Scott Stadium with the win, and look, it didn't start great, but it you know they they got their act together and. And got the win plenty you know the warts that have been there most of the year were still there um against a team that you know you would hope virginia had a better roster than and you know they still had special teams gaffes and gave up too many sacks and had some crucial penalties and turnovers and and trailed it by double digits um not a perfect showing but you know despite getting down by 10 you know it'd been really hairy if they'd gone into the half down you know there been a lot of pressure on those guys but they managed to to turn the ship around and, you know, get things going. And oh they weren't spectacular in the second half, but they did enough to get the win. And, you know, if it's true that a team needs to learn how to win games, well, they got one. So let's see what comes of it. But, um yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll remain optimistic with <laughs> heading into the bye week here. You know, it, it was nice to see them win and great for the players, right? Like that's, you know, you, you can argue what you want about how coaches have done and how they've, you know, decisions they've made and whatnot. But the players that are here, it's good. So happy for them to see them get the win. Um, and you could see it walking off the field. They were super happy. So congrats to those guys and, you know, one and no. out.
0: Yeah, I mean. Since it's, last time we played. <laughs> <laughs> you snuck that little Brent Pride joke in there. That was very well done. Um, now, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't want – look, in, in a year like this, you, you should never – like overlook a win because who knows how many of them there will be. Um, I, I don't want to make light of it. Um, you know, they ultimately, they held a team to 72 passing yards, which I realize William Mary is not a team that throws the ball very often. Um, I, you know, William Mary is a team that runs the ball a lot. They held the the tribe to 147 on the ground. Um, five penalties each way. Um, again, I mentioned the four sacks that Virginia allowed. Um, which is, you know, otherwise, I mean, look, they're 6-15 on third down, both of their fourth downs, ran 71 plays, averaged 6.4 yards per play. There's a lot to like out of this game, but then you have to sort of balance it out, you know, gauge it against the rest of the the totality of circumstances, right? Like, the, this was not a great women & Mary team. It's certainly not... um it's not gonna. It's not the best FCS team Virginia could play, and given the schedule that Virginia's played so far this year, it's it's a night. Nice, it's a nice respite, but it doesn't really accurately reflect sort of the situation on the ground. Ferber, when you look at this game, what really stands out to you? Um, is it just mainly hey a win's a win's a win, or did you not see enough? What What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean a win is a win uh, for sure. I mean, this team needed one really bad. Uh, and they got it, which is good. And, um, I don't know. I mean, we can talk big picture, but like, I don't know if this effort's going to beat any of the other teams they have left to play. You know, I think they'll probably have to do better, but, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do and, and the game really should have probably been more lopsided than it was. Um, but both teams, I felt like left some stuff out there. Um, I think this game, it wasn't decided by a player two, but a player two did det- Did really go a long way to determining how the game ended up with the score. You know, it could have gone more in UVA's favor. It could have been tighter. Um, you know, you think UVA has two turnovers, both in William and Mary territory, one throwing into the end zone. Obviously those are points that you kind of took off the board. Um, you took three off the board at the end too. That means anything to anybody. Um, and then uh, William & Mary obviously fumbles, you know, going down. I think, what were they, like the 21-yard line or something like that? And then they had the turnover on downs at the 8. Um, both of those drives, like, you know, UVA did what they had to do to get off the field. Um, You, you don't want them to drive that far, obviously. But, you know, the, the one at the end of the first half, the fumble especially, was a huge play just because they went from William and Mary potentially leading in half to UVA leading in half because they went and scored again at the end of the first half. And that's something I feel like they've done a pretty good job of actually throughout the season is, you know, finding ways to get points at the end of the first half. So, um, you know, I thought Tony Musket played pretty well. He, he certainly left a few plays out there. The pick was sort of a force. And then I think that the fumble was sort of bad luck if anything. And, um, you know, I, I thought they ran the ball better in spots, but if you watch the game, you know, the, the stats will make it look like they just kind of like gashed William and Mary over and over again. It was more like they had a no gain, then they would have an 18 yard run then they'd have a no gain. Then they'd have a 23 yard run. Um, and, you know, so it was imbalanced, but, but ultimately, you know, it looked kind of like the same UVA team we've seen, maybe a little bit cleaner in some areas um, against the worst team that they played. And and that was the difference, but um, also like that. They didn't have a lot of penalties, and things like that, and, and I felt like the coaching was a little cleaner in this game overall, um, just the decision-making part of it, and and I thought that um, they did some good things and, and got the win they really just needed to get.
0: So to put this in context, Virginia had 27 first downs in this game. Um, it took a while <laughs> throughout the first few games for them to get there. Um, they did have 25 uh, against Maryland, but a lot of that I think had to do with, you know, um, drives that then you know went into a puff of smoke I, I think Dave as we look ahead a little bit I think you you kind of have to like It's mid-season right so we can't not do a check-in But I feel like this entire year Every week we've kind of been doing a little bit of a check-in Right like we haven't really had an opportunity Because of sort of the way se- the season has gone We haven't had an opportunity to really like focus on an opponent and focus on UVA, you know, how oh, are they going to do this a little bit better or, you know, a little concerned about that. Like every, there were so many like four alarm fires going on that we haven't had the chance to do that. So a true like sort of mid-season retrospective sort of thing doesn't make a lot of sense when we've kind of been doing that. But it's hard to not pause at the midway point, look ahead and think like, okay, what do they need to do in order to to improve. Now, the latter half of the schedule is easily the um is going to be really tough. I mean, I don't think that that's like breaking news or anything. As you look at this team, what's the what's the I guess the first thing you want to see? Is it retooling something on the offensive line or figuring out some other um sort of offensive line answers, including I think the scheme sort of reacting more to the um lines issues? Is it um defensively getting healthy like what are what, what's your top thing that you need to see or you really want to see going into next weekend in carolina
2: i mean there's a there's a long list um i mean the Lots most important from. thing to me is the, is the defense like getting healthy whatever they have to do they just got to get better and if they get better through you know obviously getting healthy would help them get better but there's some guys that sound like they're gonna be out a while um they they've just got to be better than they've been. Um, even if the offense improves a little bit, they're still not going to improve to a point where they're going to be able to keep up on the scoreboard with the teams coming down the pipe here. Um, with the defense playing like it has been, um, whether you know, they've got to be sounder in coverage. They've got to tackle better. They've got to be more disruptive. They've got to create more negative plays. Um, if not i don't know if the offense even if the offensive line improved drastically i still don't think the offense has the potential to to outscore these teams so that to me is is priority one you know we were i think you know when you looked at that field saturday um there's missing so many dudes on defense um i mean what, at least half of a starting lineup is out and you know the defensive line doesn't have depth you know they're playing a lot of young guys out there um, Secondary is missing multiple pieces, and then you know the linebacker, the young linebackers are improving. You know Cam Robinson's definitely getting better. James Jackson's getting better, um, even though he's not young, young. But they've got to they've got to figure it out and put it together. You know, do some self scouting this week. Figure out you know the best the best lineup they can get with the healthy guys they they can put out there, and you know get back to at least what they were last year.
0: You know, it's funny to me, Ferber, because as I think about like where kind of where things are and where they need to go, today's point, you know, the, there's a laundry list. I feel like offensively, even with the offensive line issues kind of being what they are, um, and I feel like there was a spell of the season. That, you know, early on, it felt like the offensive line was the biggest concern, and then it felt like maybe the offensive line wasn't as big a deal. And then the last few weeks it is, or last couple weeks, it has been absolutely a big deal. Um but that the the defensive issues, I mean, I'm not sure how much you would would chalk those up to injuries, um, lack of overall like depth, playable depth, really in the secondary or what. But like it it feels like the defense is the piece where, like they're going to be in a lot of games where they could score as many points as they wanted, and it would be probably not enough, right? Like they're they're the the level of of talent they're going to face in the back half of the season. I think is, is, is such that they're, they can't just out offense their way, right? They have to be better defensively, especially in the red zone. They cannot continue to give up the touchdowns the way that they did or, you know, the first half, what are, what are the biggest concerns for you and what's, what's your big sort of tentpole um, thing you need to, that you want to see fixed or changed?
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys covered the defense. I I agree with all of that. And, you know, the issues there are kind of all over the place. It's not like, I mean, some of it's depth, some of it's other, there's other stuff that came out before the depth and secondary and things like that. So, um, we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see if they can make adjustments. I would, I would say the offensive line is my biggest concern just because, um, you mentioned like the defense is probably it kind of works both ways, right? It's like they can't, even if the offense is good, the defense needs to get stops, even if the defense is better, the offense needs to score points. Um, and the biggest blocker to them doing that, I think, is blocking and no pun intended. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, I mean, I think you look at the game against William and Mary, and they put themselves behind the eight baller in the first half in some of those situations because they just couldn't block or couldn't sustain or. You know, like Muskie got out of the pocket and couldn't find a guy, so they're gonna have to figure out. You know, it's not like it's one guy that's giving up all the sacks or anything like that. But I was a little concerned watching that game, just seeing how much pressure William and Mary could get with like not bringing extra guys. Um, and a lot of it was just guys getting beat by the man across from them. And you know, you just can't have that too much, especially with a quarterback that's banged up. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to put him in in any risky situations and. They seem to do that quite a bit in the game. So, um, you know, that's something that they're going to have to clean up. And because when the blocking is there, I mean, I think we've seen that UVA only has really two key receivers that are making most of the plays, but those guys are still able to make plays, even though the defenses kind of know that's where they want to go with the football. So, I mean, I I don't don't think that they're going to become a running team, like all of a sudden in the second half of the season, maybe they can do a little better there, but if they can work on the pass pro stuff, I think that that would be a big, um, help to where they are and I, I don't know exactly what you do whether it's personnel changes or just structural things with like the play calls and getting the ball out quicker or or what or getting the ball into space more or throwing more screens or something but they got to kind of uh, you know turn every every rock over and figure out if they can find something
2: yeah and i don't know if he deserves a lot of applause given how they played but um it was nice to you know we've had what Two of the last three games, we've seen changes on the offensive line. Didn't yeah. see a lot of that last year, despite bad performance. Um, you know, obviously moving the Stevens to center has helped the line quite a bit. Um, and then this week, moving Nana inside, I, I think I like him better at guard, still trying to figure out that tackle position. You know, Chris hasn't played a lot of football and it kind of it showed it Tom Saturday. Um,
1: well, then they also and, took Uganda out, like, you know, it, yeah,
2: yeah, and, and they started rotating, um, Hard in there, and, and,
1: yeah,
2: and furnished. So yeah, I I do like Nana inside, and if they can figure out that right tackle spot, that'll help. It still won't be a all ACC lawn by any means, but you know it's it, it's better certainly. You know, and Bowley struggled at times on Saturday. You know, and to William Mary's credit, their yeah. ends are really good. The pious you know, dude was FCS. giving him a tough time. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Bowley had that bad holding call that took back a touchdown, and then I think must get threw an interception on the next play. Um, That's correct, and then obviously they gave up four sacks. So it's, yeah, you're right. They they've got to get better too. I mean, it, it's kind of sad because you know Malachi and Washington and and the receiving core, considering what we lost at wide receiver, those dudes are showing out like week in and week out.
0: To to Ferber's point, um, in this game, Musket seventeen to twenty six. Eleven of those passes went to either Malik or Malachi, right? Yeah,
1: they're not Um, even like throwing to other guys, really. Yeah, I mean, er mean, nobody
0: else had a target more than once. I mean, everybody else is one target. All of the other, uh, what is it, five, six guys?
1: Yeah,
2: but Gibson and Sackett, you know, they made they made use of their targets, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think those guys could come along. Um, Gibson seems to be a guy; he's on the field a lot, you know. So maybe the targets will come because you would think in the second half of the season, teams are just going to start shading over Washington and. You know. I mean I think they kind of already are. I, yeah. I was gonna say yeah.
0: Malik is just is just making is making him is just making better
1: plays. And it's yeah, tough. It's kinda hard
2: to shade him because of the way he can move he can Ex- move him around. Exactly. But,
1: you can play him in the slot and it's just harder to shade those guys in the way that you would like Malik or like yeah, like Malachi. Yeah, Malachi has
2: been getting a lot of that this year. He didn't get it on that touchdown. Um yeah, Travis is about to jump out of the stand, pointing at him. You know, mm-hmm.
1: But point. you also can't, like, you know, if you're a defense, you can't just be like, "We're just going to worry about these two guys and like break our defense to, right. to cover two guys, You know, because right. then eventually Gibson's going to go for ten for one sixty or whatever. You know, yeah. uh, he is my guy. But I mean, I for it if you do that, yeah, <laughs> for now, I mean, like they haven't even really had to get the backs too involved in the passing game. I know Kobe Pace has had some plays, but um, it's really been these two guys. And and Washington, I think. I know that we've talked about him, but I feel like almost we're not talking about him enough.
0: Like, yeah, he's having just an absolutely absurd season. Yeah, he's I mean, and he's
1: so consistently doing it, too. I mean, I guess against Tennessee, he didn't do a whole lot. But, like, every game since then, it's been the exact same performance pretty much, right? Like, yeah, somewhere between 5 to 10 catches for, like, 100 to 170 yards and a touchdown, <laughs> you know, every single yeah. week. Yeah, I think we
2: must get, deserve some credit too. Like you know, two weeks yeah. ago was a big discussion whether he should be the starter, and he clearly, you know, he, he's clearly a good, very good quarterback. Um, considering the level he came from, he's he's played well two weeks in a row, um, coming off the injury, and you know, I think he understands the offense. He's he's not quite as mobile as Calandria, but. um, you know he worked. Nifty little you know.
1: spin move, though.
2: Yeah, that was pretty nice. <laughs> you know I think I can't remember if we talked about it in person or I texted it during the game, Justin. But there, it, it does feel like you know if this offensive line was better, Musket would be obviously a little better. But there is a part dead. of me that wonders if Calandria looks a little more dynamic with this offense because of the way they he kind of call you know he's gonna look one read and run versus musket kind of going through the progressions but
1: yeah musket's kind of more sitting in the pocket and surveying the field and with calandria i think he's doing that but they also kind of and to the coach's credit i would say like put him in a position where they made it a little bit more straightforward where it's like get out on the edge get out of danger especially when you don't have a backup for calandria really besides burster house Um, yeah get out of the pocket if you don't see it run and when you run, get down, um, you know, and he still took some big hits. Uh, I mean, it is a shame but... how much
2: Calandria is pouting on the sideline. So, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, he does. He certainly, I mean, like any worry that he's like upset about this or whatever is is misplaced because he's, <laughs> he's definitely like locked in. Um, I
2: watched, I probably spent several minutes of the game, just watching him on the sideline. That guy's yeah. into it.
1: Yeah. No, it like... doesn't mean
2: it means anything. It's just fun to see.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, that was one of the things that like, I, I don't know that they called it because of this, but I think like going forward on the fourth down with Brewster house and the QB sneak, like that fired up the sideline. And that's something I might not have noticed if I wasn't in the box. Um, but like when he came over to the sideline, like everybody was like super fired up for him to get the first down. Um, and, and that was like, we haven't seen them have that kind of energy really. Um, so that was good, and that kind of shows you what uh, being aggressive can do. And you get after the game, like <laughs> I don't think he meant to do this, and I, I hope you know I'm not throwing him under the bus for this. But I was, you know, we were talking to him, and he was saying like somebody was like, "How do you feel about getting to go for it on fourth down?" Like a couple times, and he was like, "Oh, I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm really glad that Coach Elliott had faith in us to get it on fourth down in this game, like." Oh, nice i don't think he meant to say it in a way that was like critical of what happened the week before but that it might have just kind of slipped it was out clearly <laughs> on his
0: mind yeah yeah <laughs> no, hey it was was on all of our minds
1: anybody like i feel
0: bad because like i went on that rant last week um when Kyle called me it was like it was i was i was heated or overheated or whatever um but yeah no the the aggression piece of it and this kind of leads to sort of where i wanted the last part of the football conversation this week to go like I was on with uh, with Cove and Ballhawk earlier tonight. And one of the things that really stands out to me in general about sort of the approach and kind of where they are going into the second half of the season is like, look, you're not going to continue to just like, you know, mind your P's and Q's and, you know, uh, execute your way to a win. Like, that's just not going to, that's just not in the cards for them this season. And I feel like I'm not saying go for it on your own 11 yard line in the first quarter right? But like, you're going to have to be the aggressor and every game that UVA goes into, probably from here on out, they're going to be the underdog. So you might, you have nothing to lose. So just go out there and be aggressive, you know, put, put the game in the hands of the kids, give them the opportunity to, um, to do what they do. And I feel like these guys respond so much better when the coaching staff is having faith in them as opposed to, you know, pooch punts and all that nonsense. Like, I think if there's anything that I want to see in the second half of the season, it's I want Virginia to be consistently aggressive um, and, n- you know, not overly. So I don't want them to, to, to sort of do it to their own detriment, but I do want them to be consistently aggressive. I think that should be the mindset of the team. Um, this whole not to lose stuff. is just not, it's just not going to get it done. It, it, it that ain't it. Um, do you guys have something that you, something comparable or do you just sort of agree that they've got to be more aggressive?
1: I just hope they are. I don't know that you know it, it's going to affect results if they go for it one extra time. But well, for me, um, it's not even
0: just like going for it. It's, four a, mindset it's yeah, a mindset. It's a mindset, right? A mindset, right. right. Exactly. Yeah. You got to push the ball down the field. You know, you can't come out there being conservative. Um, I, I just don't and that's a that
1: thing that's that, that kind it. of well, that's the thing that kind of gets me about it happening in this game, and I, I think it's maybe it could be sort of a hey like you know we we probably should have done it a couple more times last week let's not do that again or it could be a function of the opponent where they're like we're gonna get it because it's William and Mary (laughs) like you know you have to have that same mindset against UNC or whoever because um you know the opportunities like to score I mean how many opportunities has this team had to score per game like four um because they're not hitting like huge plays for touchdowns so I mean you got to cash in on at least three of them, probably four, you know, if you're going to score a lot of points. And, you know, sometimes you got to – sometimes you come up a yard short on third down. It's like you got to just get that yard to get points.
2: Yeah, Sparks is going to punt five yards. You might as well go for it every
1: fourth <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, that was so wild. <laughs> I don't know what was
2: <laughs> up with Sparks this week. I got like they've been the one consistent part of special teams, and he had just a, a croaker of a game. Um, I thought the first one was bad until the second one.
1: The second one was an all timer, you know. You see where they're lining up. The chain guys didn't even have to move; no. they, were, they just turn and go the other way. <laughs> it's crazy. All right,
0: let's uh, switch over to basketball. Uh, much happier environs, um, uh, intriguing. Some people and ver- will be very happy. <laughs> that one guy on Twitter would be very excited that we talked basketball finally. Um, wouldn't it wouldn't be really weird though if we just like had a whole basketball podcast in like early September. Anyway, all right. So the blue white scrimmage is on Saturday, and thereafter, obviously, like I mentioned, Monday, November the sixth, Virginia opens seven o'clock on, um, I guess it's es what used to be ESPN three um, against uh, Tarleton State. Um, they then get um, to go to Charlotte to play Florida several nights later. Um, come back home for North Carolina A and T, and the thing is off and running. Um, overall, I think I, th- I think that this is a very like a, a, like I feel like a. Basketball tends to do this sometimes, where they it just looks interesting, right? You're not really sure. Like I think last season was this way. Um, This year, you finally, you know, Kihei Clark is no longer on the roster, so there's no, you know, there is some change in terms of the way it'll look right off the bat. Um, But there's a lot of intriguing pieces. One because Virginia has so many new faces, and two, you're you're sort of looking at the guys that were there last year, and there's varying degrees of sort of like. Either heightened expectations or even just different expectations. Um I, I kind of want to go round table on this. Um, what are we most excited about overall? Um I, I since I just came up with that, I, I don't I'll, I'll start. For me, it's not even just seeing uh, Reese Beakman back in a Virginia jersey, but like watching it be his team. Um that's something, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about the way that the Tony wanted to play Reese and, and Kihei together. And we've, we had had, you know, at different times, you know, real hot takes about whether that should be a thing or not be a thing, or maybe they should do it more. Maybe they should do a lot less, whatever. It, it is now unquestionably Reese's team. It's gotta be his team. Um, and I'm just really excited to see what that looks like. Um, I, I think he, he's always had a quiet confidence about him But he's never and he certainly has been a, you know, a big time performer, but he's never been a very vocal, you know, um, sort of guy. He's not somebody who sort of, you know, commands a huddle um, or at least from the outside looking in. It's going to be really interesting to watch this year to see him, you know, ascend to that that sort of position with the team Uh, Ferber, Let's start with you. What what are what's something you're really looking forward to
1: this year? I mean, as always, when it's a new team, I look forward to the new guys, right? And this year, there's a bunch of them. I mean, you got how many transfers? Four? Um, is it four? Rody Miner. Yeah, four. Groves. Harris. Yeah. Harris. And then four, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting group. I think all those guys are going to contribute, a, you know, at least a decent amount, um, and at least two of them are going to be you know, guys that I think are counted on, maybe even beyond this season, and especially in Rody's case. But, um, yeah, those guys and then the freshman group that they brought in, especially Gertrude and Buchanan, just because I don't think I think we're all on the same page. Robinson's not going to play, but and and Bliss, um, I always forget he's there. <laughs> like I looked at the roster the other day for the thing I wrote and was like, oh, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm interested to see how those pieces fit together and. Obviously there's a learning curve with the pack line. We talk about that all the time when they add new pieces, but you know, they've added some veteran guys that maybe can pick it up a little bit quicker. And we've seen some veteran transfers sort of work their way into the lineup really quickly, sometimes by virtue of you know necessity. Like I'm thinking of like Armand and Jaden Gardner and those guys. And, and then other, other times like, you know, a guy like BVP can come in and earn his minutes and get those minutes. Um, so I'm interested to see how this group kind of fits together. And then, you know obviously what the rotations look like and all that stuff and you know there's i'm sure there'll be a lot of questions about like how will they structure the backcourt and all that different stuff but i'm excited to see these new guys because um i know that UVA wasn't considered like a huge winner in the transfer portal but i actually kind of think that they might have done a sneaky good job uh, of acquiring talent this this time around what
0: do you think dave
1: yeah,
2: yeah i mean i would have said reese but brad already said that so i'll go and, and Justin said the first years, I'll go with the second years. <laughs> I'm excited to see. You know, I think Ryan Dunn and Nick McNeely are going to play a very big role in whether this team can, you know, what the ceiling for this team is. Um, you know, IMAC showed up pretty good as a freshman. Um, if he can make a jump, you know, he, he's a great shooter and he's more athletic than people think and, you know, gives you another score, scoring option, can play one to three in the offense. Um Side to see him, and then obviously Ryan Dunn. Like in this, this could be his DeAndre Hunter year, right? Like I'm, I think we're all expecting huge things from him, and it's going to be fun to watch because that that dude can guard one to five. Um, and then you know the other second year, you know the redshirt Leon Bond. Um, I don't think he gets discussed enough because I don't kind of I don't think any of us know where he fits in because of his size. You know he's kind of an undersized uh, power forward, but. God, he's athletic. So those three guys with the rest, I'm like, it's a very fun roster overall, and I think we kind of hit on it because there's plenty of stuff to be excited about. But I would say, like Reese being back, because when you start looking at this team and all the lineups that having Reese Beekman back is so huge, right? Like, right, that's got to be number one.
0: My second one then would be Blake Buchanan, but I, I don't yeah. think that we've we've seen Tony um, do a lot with with rookie big men, um, you know, and. I just think that this kid's potential to be an impact player this season, uh, Ferber's sort of lineup piece really I think did a nice job of of kind of highlighting this. Like his his but if it's not just like a potential in terms of his own playing ability, it's also like the potential for what it can mean for the team. Um, it really could unlock a lot of different things for them if he's able to give them real consistent minutes. Um And especially if he's able to do, to, you know, be a contributor on both ends, um, you know, the hard part with, with, with bigs in this system playing so early is like, you know, there's a lot that you have to be able to pick up on and and you have to sort of mesh the athleticism with the, um, physicality. And that's something that the system just sort of requires of you at that position. You know, it's a little more forgiving for, you know, maybe lighter guards or guards who can't, um maybe who can't play as physically on the ball right especially if they've got any length to them um, but man for big you got to be able to get down that lane bro like you got to be able to move and you got to be able to hold your position you got to be able to rebound and I think this kid is a, from a physical profile has a lot of what I think people were hoping that Poppy would be um you, you guys remember that summer like after they got him and then he like kind of went off a little bit in that FIBA tournament. And I think everybody sort of expected he was just going to kind of roll into town, um, but he he like Buchanan is a much more fluid athlete, um, you know, and and I think he's got a lot more ball skill uh, and certainly a lot more touch around the rim. Uh, I just am really excited about sort of the potential for a guy like that and what he could mean for the overall picture. You know, I don't expect him to be, you know, like super heavy minutes, but I do think that he could give him some really important minutes uh, and that burn could be, you know, I could see him sort of growing it as time goes because, you know, the hardest thing for a kid, I think in a lot of ways for Tony is to earn that trust with him right away. Right. You see some guys who did it, um, but very few bigs have been able to really cement that really quickly. So I'm really curious to, to watch Buchanan.
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure every big since Jared Reuter has redshirted,
0: yeah. I mean it's it's been a it's been a lock, right? And even I, mean, I might be thought, forgetting
1: somebody, but I think that's like every single big almost. Yeah, and so.
0: and even the dudes we thought would be guys who could contribute early, like they end up becoming um, you know, a redshirt cannon, which in a lot of in a lot of those situations I get like I'm not knocking it, right? I'm just And saying, it might like,
1: speak to those players just as much as it speaks to and what they brought in versus like Tony's, you know, decisions if right, that makes totally sense. Right, totally agree. Like, I mean, if they, he brought in Joel like, Embiid, he wasn't redshirting. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean actually, he, that actually maybe he would have. Like, who knows? Physically,
2: Buchanan is. Yeah, you know, he's got more muscle for his size than any big he's he's gotten. Despite, I don't think he's the highest rated big. I think Trout was right. Yeah. Um, maybe even Toby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> artist formerly known.
1: Just kidding. That's all right.
2: White. redshirter. Um,
1: Somewhere yeah, in Omaha it's, or middle of yeah. America or whatever. I mean,
2: Buchanan, like, to me, it looks like a freshman who can play. And honestly, not that I expect him to, but Robinson looks a lot bigger than I thought he was, too. It's like, I mean, I think when we heard of the Robinson commitment, I was like, that's a little bit of a stretch. And now I see him in these videos. I'm like, what did that dude do between that high school film I saw and now? Um, but speaking to Buchanan, like, man, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, but he's going to have to play, right? Like, because if there's a weakness on this team, it's – it's the big man.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, when I was doing the lineups, I really didn't see an alternative, unless you're like Jake Groves is going to be a five. Like, I, I just don't see. Yeah, that. I saw enough of that last year. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think
0: <laughs> to to your point, for I think they could. So you're, I, I think the 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 overarching thing here is it was well taken. Like he's got to play, um, but I'm saying like if he's good, it does open up a lot for them, and I don't mean that from the standpoint of like. Well, then the thing works. I just mean it from the standpoint of like, if he's good, it gives them even more. Um, it gives him even more options because if he's if he's good, that means they can play combos with. You can him play a big a, lineup
1: and do all kinds of different. Things. As
0: opposed to right, as opposed to like having to sort of like limp your way along with some dude, some got some some poor soul who basically has to be the quote unquote big. Um, if he's able to play and he's able to you know stay on the floor no foul trouble like that 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 piece of this is is incredibly uh important i think for uva yeah
2: because we don't know what minor like I, I mean i like minor but we we haven't seen him playing this time you know he largely like guarded the rim in that zone they played um right. so you know between buchanan and, and minor they're going to be doing something they've never done kind of hard hedging um there's going to be games where one of them gets in foul trouble that just happens. so right I'm sure we'll have Groves playing the five sum, Dunn will have to play the five sum, but you know, this team really doesn't have a you know, a seven footer um to just sit back there and erase stuff. So it's going to going to be interesting. It's there'll be some teams that Virginia's gonna struggle to match up with. Um and you know, you may have to put like a Groves at center just to pull out the big um you know, and kind of take advantage of them on the offensive end to counter what you can't do defensively. But that said, like I have hopes for minor, but it's, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think any of us should assume he's going to come in and be an excellent pack line defender from day one.
1: I think that's fair of like any transfer, really. I mean, not just the yeah. defensive piece It's just like, we don't know. I mean, unless your guy, I mean, Groves might be the most like, I mean, he's probably the guy that people think about the least. He might be the one that we kind of know what he is the most at this level because he played at Oklahoma. Right. So like, we kind of have an idea. Um, roadie, scored a ton of points and played well against some good teams, but he played in a smaller league and he's still young and developing, which I think is a good thing. And minor obviously was the NEC. I can't remember if he was NEC player of the year, defensive player of the year, but um, you know, he had a great career there, but it's a different level. Um, And I like what I saw from those guys. When I went back and looked over the, in the spring and like how they did against good teams, because they all kind of had some good moments. Um, And I think that's promising, but yeah, I mean, you don't really know until we kind of get into things. And that was the same with like, I mean, I thought that uh, Armand had a nice senior year, but I thought his junior year, he was going to be a much better shooter than he was. And so that kind of recalibrated what that season looked like. And there's going to be things like that. Um, And then also I think Dante Harris is is really intriguing. I think that's the kind of guy that can really, uh, you know, flourish in the defense that they're going to run and he can, do some of the things that Reese can do getting in the lane and and being quick and making plays and facilitating to shooters. And I think if you have a guy like that, that can drive and kick, especially if you have more than one guy. um, He's going to be able to do some stuff. I'm excited. I feel like he's kind of flying under the radar just because he had to sit out last year.
0: Yeah. He seems, I think he's also one of those, it's a, it's a um, kind of an, uh, a choose your own adventure sort of player, right? Because if he's who he was in that big East tournament, Right. Like, that's a very different animal. Um, And he had a nice
1: career there, but it's different because his team was terrible. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's hard to evaluate. Like, he was shooting like more than he probably needed to be shooting because nobody else was doing anything.
0: Right. Somebody had to do somebody had to do it. Right. Nigel Johnson
1: was kind of like that, too, because he was like his leading scorer at Rutgers or whatever. But it was because everybody was bad on that team.
0: The the roadie kid is probably for me aside from leon bond um the roadie kid is 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 for me the 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 big like the mystery the mystery box that could like and i don't want to be like dramatic here but like could like really dictate how the season goes because if that kid if that kid is 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 as plug and play as it looks like he could be when you pair that with mcneely and i think beekman will be able to get to the lane a lot more this year. Like that's a really that's a really formidable yeah. Uh, little trio I, right I think
1: there. if if rody if rody hits his ceiling like as a sophomore ceiling let's say, a reasonable ceiling, then i think that has maybe the biggest possible impact on that's the team. That exactly. completely agree. just because i think it's another scoring option and you know when you have that many in the backcourt, it's really tough to i mean we saw what happened when you know, 2019, 2018. Exactly. But it seemed really hard to stop because they just had so many different guys that could beat you off the dribble and score and shoot. Um, I mean, obviously there are other players that can be better than him, but I think he might be the wild card. Yeah. And I mean, thing. look,
0: we all saw Dunn taking those steps last year. We know how athletic he is. Bond is a kid who has so much athleticism and it's going to be really interesting to see the way Tony uses him. Um, But what's wild is, is that we haven't even talked about like, Gertrude or really McNeely, um, this is this. I think Dave just really sort of underscores there is so much talent on this roster, um, which and I'm I'm not I, I'm gonna say a thing and I don't mean it to shade, but that has not always been the case, right? Sometimes you're really leaning on a handful like a you know two three dudes, and that was like everybody else was like a supporting cast member. The way these dudes fit into roles is going to be extremely interesting to watch. What's your other? sort of thing you're really looking forward to
2: yeah I mean um a lot uh, <laughs> you know Rody I mean you guys hit him Roy's the guy who I'm super excited to see because if he's what I think he is like you know he's like a taller tied Jerome um yeah that's not a bad thing right <laughs> like give me give me three of those and we'll figure out how to make it work but yeah I think it, but that kind of goes with what you're just alluding to like this lineup and Justin's piece today was talking about, there's so many lineups this team can put out, you know, last year, you know, that, that team was good. You know, most, a lot of, you know, 10 years ago, we would have back for or 15 years ago. Now we would have back for a team like that. But, um, I do think this year's team has got a lot more. If everyone's who we think they are, this team has a lot more lineup versatility than we've seen since probably the champion, you know, 2019 team. Um, just because it, there's so much you can do. There's not going to be, you know, Virginia's had teams that matched up really well against guys with bigs, you know, teams with bigs and struggled against small ball teams. Um, if anything, I think this team against small ball teams is going to be a problem because then you can play Ryan Dunn at the five and Rhodey at the four even, you know, and and do some really crazy stuff because, um, you know, between Harris and Beekman in the backcourt, you're going to lock up a lot of guys. And, you know, Beekman's got the the length to, to guard a three and McNeely can kind of let McNeely handle the other guy. So there's a lot of versatility. Um, And I don't think, you know, Tony is, we always talk about Bennett and kind of settling into his rotations. I think this might be a year where it takes a long time to settle into a rotation because it's going to change night in and night out. Um, And there's players on this team are capable of getting hot and demand, you know, staying in the game for a while, but, and we all know what's going to get him on the court. Um, and, you know, if there if there's a negative with this team, it's, you know, there's only really one guy who's played a lot of minutes. Um, Dunn and McNeely have played, but, you know, Beekman's the only guy who's put in starter minutes yet. Right. So yeah. it's, there's there's a lot of unproven stuff, too.
0: What I also am really excited about is, it's, <laughs> I really hope Jake Gross has like the, um, the Evan Nolte season, we all wanted Evan Nolte to have, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like Nolte was always seen as like a glue guy, um, a kid who um, had a lot of potential, played a lot of, you know, winning basketball, but was not always necessarily like the one carrying the team to those wins. Right. He's like, he's a key cog at times, uh, you know, in his um, prep career, but he wasn't always like the guy. Um, At six, nine Groves, and his three point shooting ability um, is a really, I mean, like, look, you, 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 you bring in a dude that tall um, who can shoot it and do a lot of different things. What's funny is, is that like, he's like an also um, ran, so to speak. Right. Like he's like an, you know, he's like the, he's like the one that like not many people focus on. Um, But it kind of goes back to sort of like the firepower thing. We've, we've been sort of alluding to all night. like, like when you look at this roster there are just dudes now a lot of them are unproven today's uh, point just a second ago which is very well taken like a lot of them are at least unproven at this level with this team right like they've all done different stuff it's just a question of doing it here together um but i feel like groves has is is a is a is, a, is like the the quintessential like wait who is that kind of guy right because he's going to come in a game and he's going to hit like three threes in a row. Some other team is going to have to call timeout. And everybody's going to be like, who is that dude? And everybody's going to think it's Evan Nolte. No, I just feel like, and I'm bringing him up specifically because I I think that for a lot of fans who have, um, you know, they've they've obviously been uh, hoping to get back to, you know, that Final Four level. This assortment of talent is what you have to have. Like that, that Final Four team, that championship team, was wickedly unique in the sense that, like, it it went through like essentially three and a half dudes, right? Um, granted, you know, you needed Braxton to do this, you needed Mommy to do that, but like realistically, it, it came down to that three. You're very rarely for a team like Virginia gonna gonna be able to compete at that at that heightened level of um, you know uh, of the sport without having a bunch of different options. And if there's anything the last few NCAA turns have shown me is that you got to have a bunch of dudes. Um, you got to be able to withstand f- foul trouble. You got to be able to withstand teams that are kind of taking something away from you. I love the lineup options for this team. And I think Groves is just like a perfect encapsulation of that because he's a guy who some nights he might not play. And then other nights he might score 14 off the bench. Like he is exactly the kind of thing you've got to have, you know, if you have championship aspirations. Um, are you guys got anything else on the excited front that you want to talk about before we kind of get to some, I want to have a little, little, uh, floor and ceiling conversation.
1: Oh, uh, you want to dump cold water on everything we just said? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. We got a few more I, weeks to talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I just, I, I just think that like, as
0: we look at the schedule and obviously basketball schedules are different. Um, I mentioned, you know, they got to go to Charlotte to play Florida. They get to go to Fort Myers to play Wisconsin. Then they get either SMU or West Virginia before they come back home for Texas A&M. Um, they open up the ACC season against um, Syracuse on December the second at home. Um, they've still got obviously the Memphis game. Then they got to go to Notre Dame right before New Year's. There's just you know the schedule has its you know uh, some 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 real peaks and valleys in there, man. Um, but I'm, I just think it might be good to at this point to have sort of like a expectations um, ceiling and floor. I mean, ceiling for a team that's won a national championship, you, you know, you could just go right to, hey, they could be good enough to win a national championship. But like, what does it look like? Um, and then the floor, I, I think that's a that's always a good exercise because it sort of frames like what you really think of the team. Um, so let, let's start with the floor. Uh, Ferber what do you feel like the floor is for this team I mean because I don't think they're going to be like Bottom half of the ACC um, I, I don't think even that I think that's below what I think their floor is But what do you yeah. feel like is Is their floor right now
1: Um Maybe like Something like what we saw two years ago Like borderline tournament team Like either they barely get in or they barely miss Um just because like, we've kind of talked through some of the strengths and I think that they have a lot. And, um, but also like, you know, if you, you don't hit on your transfers, then, you know, I don't know the, how far you're going to go or, you know, are you going to be able to guard in the post? Like just with what you have. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably where the floor is. You're, you're depending on the younger guys to make a step forward. Um, and I think we all think they're going to, but I guess that's where the floor is. If, if, You know, maybe your transfer class isn't as good as you hoped. The freshmen aren't as ready as you hoped. The schedule's maybe a little harder than you hoped. And also, you know, uh, maybe your sophomores aren't, don't make the as big of a leap as you hope they do or that whatever. But I mean, that, I think that all of that would have to happen for them to be around there. And I know that like Lenardi right now has them like on the bubble. Um, But I expect them, I expect that that's around where their floor is. Honestly, I think that they're going to be better than that.
0: See, to me, I, I would say that, um, so, you know, I mean, we're not going to, like, predict, you know, injury stuff, but, but, but beyond that, what I would say is, like, so, to your point about, like, maybe the second year kids don't take a step forward, um, you know, we've seen Tony be able to sort of reinvent them, reinvent the team a little bit, like, on the fly, which I think with this group actually makes, is part of the reason why I think their ceiling is so high. Um, but maybe those options just don't work, right? Guys who haven't been here um, just aren't ready to, to play defense the way it needs to be played. And, and, and therefore, um, they're sort of always stuck in this game of like, can they get enough stops? Um, I, I think also, too, like for me, the floor, you know, they get there because, you know, they really missed on some of these uh, evals, right? Maybe the Buchanan kid isn't quite ready um, to, to contribute as much as they need him to contribute Maybe Harris is actually not quite as good um, You know, as, a, as sort of like a second point guard um, As they thought he was going to be To me though, the floor is really um, I think it's like 6th or 7th in the ACC Like you said, kind of fighting for the, um, for the postseason um, so maybe some bad losses early yeah. on that set the, set the tone, but like, but like, that's really hard for me to see because I, I just think that, like I said, Tony's done a nice job of sort of reinventing them at times. Um, he did it last year with the sort of triangle stuff. Right. Um, so I'm really curious to see when you have all of these different skill sets that you can use. I mean, think about last year's team and like, <laughs> The, the limitations that they had And then think about the talent on this team And then contrast those limitations You know Dave what do you feel like the floor is for this group
2: Actually I think the floor Is lower than last year's team um, Even though I'd like to make I think the potential for this team is better I, I think the floor is lower Just because you've got less proven Pieces.
0: So for um, you, it's not necessarily it's it's the it's the experience piece of it and the in the bona fides.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, last year you, the team was you know you had Reese coming back, you had KiA back, Armand Franklin back, you had you know Jaden Gardner back, Shedrick back. Like you had proven pieces. um Now they might have you know Franklin, Gardner, and Shedrick might have kind of been what they were going to be. But if you, you know, if you look at their scoring, this team returns, it's, that's proven itself. There's not a lot there, you know, not an ACC play on this team. Um, so like if the, if, if Buchanan is not ready and minder's not at this level, like that really makes this team questionable, right? Like you're not going to beat teams without a big man. Right. Um, so like, look, I'm not saying I think it's that way, but there, uh, I would, I would say the floor is definitely lower than last year. Um, yeah. You know, if, if those guys aren't what we think they are and if you know roadie's not ready and you know, i still think the guard you know if harris isn't able to score and beekman's not a better offensive player this team could struggle to score points um i don't think they will but the potential exists so and right. that's the exercise we're playing right so
0: <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fair point though your 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 use of proven for that trio of guys you talked about from last year i don't i, I might quibble with it but your overall point is well taken like yeah. That at least you 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 had a much firmer idea of who who was going to be what, and then this team, by nature of their of their being uncertainty, therefore the floor has to be lower. That's fair. That's a fair point.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look, if they're not what you think to be, this could be a bottom half of the ACC team because the ACC is going to be pretty good this year. Um, I don't expect them to be, but I, <laughs> you know, the the possibility exists. That, that that world
0: exists. Now, in terms of ceiling. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not gonna make any calls about this i I think this is this could you know if the put it to you like this you don't need a hand you don't need but so many things to go right for this team to win the ACC right um and by by so many I mean it's not like you need them to be perfect you don't need them to be exactly you know optimal 100 output right um but it, to me, if Beekman's able to get to the paint, Rody and McNeely shoot it well. Um, Miner is able to stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble, play physical. Buchanan is able to be a you know a consistent contributor. They're able to get stuff out of um, you know Rody in the lane. Rody going to the basket. You know that kind of Taj Jerome sort of stuff. Um, if they're able to get done and 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 bond. Both kind of moving in the right direction, getting that momentum in both of their situations. I mean, like this team is, I mean this this is legitimately, I think a top ten team. I I think ceiling for this group because of the mix of potential scoring and because of the mix of athleticism. um, I mean, you're absolutely in the conversation for, um, you know, our third you know weekend. Now, all of those kinds of prognostications are just foolish. Because the NCAA tournament is crazy, so like I'm not going to be like, oh, Final 14. book it. Like I just think that that's a little bit too simplistic. But I do think that when you think about the best teams, like th- this team hasn't ha- has a potential counter again, you know, in terms of their ceiling. This team has a potential counter for for a lot, especially if we're going to assume again, if the ceiling, you know, we're talking ceiling, that the um, the pack line is is optimal, right? That guys are able to fill the roles, and they all sort of mesh together. Dave, would you agree with that, that that is the ceiling for this team, or do you feel like it's it's slightly lower than that?
2: No, I think the ceiling is up there. Um, I would argue it's a little, you know, going back to last year's team, I think the ceiling this year is a little bit higher than last year's ceiling. Obviously, last year's team didn't reach their ceiling um, with the injuries and everything else that happened. But I do think, you know, especially if a guy like Rody comes in and Groves comes in and they play their potential and get one of the two big men to be a um, significant contributor. Then this team just has more answers for more different challenges they'll they'll see during the year. So, I mean, I think I could see them being a top one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. Same to you. Who knows what that means um, <laughs> once you get to the tournament? But you know, ACC tournament team, sure, they've got all the talent. You know, if if everyone's what we hope they can be. And we haven't even talked about, like, Gertrude. I mean, that dude, that dude might be the most athletic guard we've had since Justin Anderson. Um, there's pieces on this team, that's for sure.
0: All right, we close this out. What do you think the ceiling is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are right there. Um, I would say, like, top 10-ish uh, ACC regular season champs. And then, you know, like the, like you said, the two postseason tournaments, I don't like to prognosticate how far you get, but <laughs> I think like the regular season is where you can do more projections. And I, I don't know that I would pick this, but I think like, you know, like Dave said, there's more uncertainty this year than last year. So it kind of lowers the floor, but I also think it raises the ceiling. Um, You know, we don't know how good Isaac McNeely is going to be. We don't know how big of a leap Ryan Dunn's going to take. And, you know, maybe they hit on most or all their transfers and one of the two freshmen is able to come in and play right away and do something for you. And then all of a sudden you've got something. Um, you've got depth, you've got different lineup combinations, you've got some shooting, you've got athleticism, you've got defense. Um, you can play big, you can play small. Uh, the ACC is going to be probably better, but also I think like the schedule that UVA got is pretty favorable. Um, you know, the non-conference schedule I think is is challenging. Um, but I, I think like the ACC schedule, like the first half, especially they have a chance to kind of do some work and, um, then it kind of builds to a crescendo at the end with some big games. But, um, ultimately, yeah, I mean, I think that Tony has shown that he can, he can make a team greater than the sum of its parts. And I think the sum of this group's parts could be a pretty good anyway. Um, I think I would take this team without having seen them over last year's team for sure. Um, just based on what's on the roster and, um, you know, what they lost last year versus what they're gaining this year. I think that this team is going to be better, but that's me having a lot of faith in the development of guys that were on the team last year. So um, yeah, I think that it's an interesting group, but yeah, the the ceiling for me is, is not quite 2018, the UMBC year, but as far as like the year before that, they were like, what were they like sixth in the ACC or something? And then, and then went out in the second round. And then the next year they were the number one yeah. overall seed with, you know, a a sort of similar roster that just developed. Um, right. with young guys that kind of got into bigger roles and things like that. And then Dre's emergence. I think, I don't think I would go that far with this team, but I think, I think they can certainly be better than they were last year and be right there in the ACC race and have a top. I don't know if I would say like one seed, but maybe like more of like a two, three, four range seed. Um, yeah, I guess what were they at four this past year? So yeah, maybe like two or three seed ceiling, I would say.
0: That's fair. Well, we will have several more weeks to talk basketball before it all tips off uh, in November, but gonna be a fun ride, and certainly will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. So um, join us as, as we go along this journey uh, together, uh, starting real soon. All right, if uh, unless there's anything else for the good of or the order. Before we wrap up this week, hearing, hearing no uh, recommendations, I'll uh, take us out. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is. that you get your shows, and if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we'd appreciate it. If you're somebody who has found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at castcorner.com. It's bye week so we got a lot of basketball stuff flowing in. We'll have more basketball stuff flowing here soon, and obviously football will pick up again next weekend in Chapel Hill. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show, and of course I want to thank Dave and Ferber for getting graciously your time. As always, I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CashCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.